the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. This is a reading from the book of Genesis. Listen for God's word. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow waters. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart from himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the stranger saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The stranger said, Let me go, because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. The stranger said to Jacob, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the stranger said, Your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with people, and you have won. Jacob also asked and said, Tell me your name. But the stranger said, Why do you ask for my name? He blessed Jacob there, and Jacob named the place Penel, because I've seen God face to face, and my life has been saved. The sun rose as Jacob passed Penel, limping because of his thigh. Therefore, Israelites, don't eat the tendon attached to the thigh muscle to this very day, because God grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. The words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, God's wisdom calls. Jesus was telling the disciples a parable about their need to pray continuously and not to be discouraged. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him, asking, Give me justice in this case against my adversary. For a while, he refused, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or respect people, but I will give this widow justice because she keeps bothering me. Otherwise, there will be no end to her coming here and embarrassing me. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Won't God provide justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will God be slow to help them? I tell you, God will give them justice quickly. But when the human one comes, 
Will he find faithfulness on earth? The word of the Lord. Thanks be One Sunday in the 1730s, a strange sight met Quakers living in Abington, Pennsylvania, right outside their morning meeting. The snow lay thick on the ground where Benjamin lay, a fellow Quaker, stood wearing little clothing, with his right leg and foot uncovered almost knee-deep in the snow. One person after another told him he should get inside, he should cover up, that he would get sick. Lay's fiery retort sent each one reeling. Ha! You pretend compassion for me, but you do not feel for the poor slaves in your field who go all winter half-clad. Sounds like this is what you would expect if you went to church with Benjamin Lay, a forerunner for the abolitionist movement. The facts that he lived in a cave, walked everywhere, made his own clothes, and didn't eat meat in the 1700s were all on brand for him. Even though he stood at only four foot seven, Benjamin Lay walked tall. He had guts, nerve, audacity. He had chutzpah. Chutzpah is what Jacob had, demanding a blessing from a holy stranger. Chutzpah is what the widow had, demanding justice from an AWOL judge. Chutzpah isn't the same as persistence, but you persist a whole lot more when you barrel forward despite the fact that the odds are stacked against you. Just imagine, Jesus buzzes, if this widow turns the tables on this cantankerous clod on the bench, how much more will your gutsy prayers for justice move the judge of all the earth? If that sounds familiar, you're paying attention. We've heard it before. It's called the Homer from lesser to greater. It's a standby technique for Jewish teaching that Jesus mastered. Like if your best friend begrudgingly gives you bread to feed your house guests, imagine how much more willing your creator is to provide you with what you need. Or, if even C-plus parents know to give their children snacks instead of scorpions, imagine the good gifts your loving father will supply. Take heart from the story of this feisty widow, Jesus says, because God's got this. Right? Jesus' parable would be a lot more nice and tidy if it didn't end with a question. Three questions, actually. Won't God provide justice for his chosen people when they cry out to him? There's a yes implied there. 
Will God be slow to help them? Again, the answer is implied. No, no, God will give them justice quickly. Okay. But when the human one comes, when Jesus, the human heart of God, returns to close this chapter of history and to begin a new story in a renewed creation, when that happens, will Jesus find faithfulness on earth? That is the question. The question staring us in the face every morning when we rub the sleep out of our eyes. The question staring at us like a cat, at once intensely interested in when we will feed it, and intensely indifferent to our feelings. True, we don't have to wear down God with our prayers, toddlers slowly eroding mom's patience until we get what we want. But it seems like we are the ones who get worn down. Every day we have to wear down our inertia, wear down our tendency to procrastinate, wear down our need for control, all so that we can be faithful, faithful to God's claim on our lives, faithful to following Jesus in the path of love and justice, faithful to the new thing that the Spirit is doing here and now. Faithfulness pulls us into the ring for a wrestling match, sometimes wild, sometimes wonderful, but often wearying. Jesus, I don't want to wrestle. And not because I was that indoors kid who preferred reading to contact sports. No, Jesus, I don't think I have the energy. I don't think I have the chutzpah to be the kind of disciple you want me to be. Friends, if your conversation with Jesus sounds like mine, then there is good news for us. Our struggle is exactly where God meets us. Take Jacob, camping out by the Jabbok River. His encounter with the Holy One literally was a wrestling match. Recall where Jacob was heading. In the morning, he would go to meet his brother Esau, whom he hadn't seen for years, not since he cheated his brother out of the family blessing, that is. It is that night, that sleepless night before he would face the music, when he stopped running away from his past, that Jacob came face to face with God. And then there's that throwaway line at the end of the story, when Jacob is limping away. The narrator intones, therefore, the Israelites don't eat the tendon attached to the thigh muscle to this day, because God grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. The name Israel 
isn't the only lasting consequence of the wrestling match. Jacob's torn muscle echoes through the ages as a culinary practice, of all things. Jacob's consent to stay in the fight, wounded but unwilling to give up, affirms that struggle isn't a sign of failure. It is the place of integrity. This All Saints Sunday, we affirm that folks have taught us that struggling is faithfulness. We get to affirm that. With a wily grin, Professor Kareem Carvalho reminds us that this isn't uh, just a day to remember spiritual giants or selfless servants. It's also for those of us who don't exactly match the picture of submissive saint, sainthood on the holy cards. You know, the ones whose faces and hands are always in some weird pose. <laughs> Technically speaking, saints refers to all of us grafted into the covenant by Christ. We are God's sanctos. We are God's holy ones. But generally speaking, we refer to those who have died as saints, those who dwell in life perpetual, praising God day and night. Today, we remember saints like Benjamin Lay, who would not let his Quaker community off the hook for doing unto enslaved women and men as they would have others do unto them. Today, we remember saints like Lady Godiva, an English noblewoman who rode horseback naked through the streets to protest her husband's new taxes that would strip the poor of everything, even the clothes off their back. We remember saints like John Coltrane, saxophone player, jazz composer, whose music inspires and energizes us, who relied on God's grace and power in working through his addiction to heroin. We remember saints like Molly Ivins, a journalist whose humor zings the powerful, who urged us in her Texan drawl, keep fighting for freedom and justice, beloveds, but don't you forget to have fun doing it. Lord, let your laughter ring out. Be outrageous. Ridicule the Frady cats. Rejoice in all the oddities that freedom can produce. And when you get through kicking ass and celebrating the sheer joy of a good fight, be sure to tell those who come after how much fun it was. Divine light shone through the lives of these sisters and brothers, not because they were perfect, but because God loves to meet us in the thick of life. Jesus encouraged the disciples to keep praying, yes, to keep lifting up the weary world in need of justice before the face of the Most High. 
But to pray with the same chutzpah as the widow, we have to keep living. That is, unless you're a hermit, you have to go out and about in the world to see what is in need of prayer. <coughs> to pray without ceasing means that we have to keep living, paying attention to our own struggles instead of pretending that everything is okay. One such saint who taught us the holiness of this honest struggle was Rachel Held Evans, a writer whose blogs became books, Held Evans gave voice to the younger generation of evangelicals who wrestle with their faith and long for authentic community. Just before Easter this year, a strain of the flu virus sent Rachel into a coma. On May 4th, at the age of 37, she died. A few years ago, Held Evans published a piece titled Holy Week for Doubters. She wrote about questions, the ones that bother you on and off like a rock in your shoe, the ones that lodge themselves beneath your skin like a splinter. She articulated the awful pain of sitting in church on Easter Sunday, of all Sundays, and not being able to believe a single word. She articulated the feeling of abandonment by God on the one day that the Holy One is supposed to show up in church. Paul Evans wrote, Please know that you are not alone. There are other people singing words to hymns they're not sure they believe today. Other people digging out dresses from the backs of their closets today. Other people just showing up today. And sometimes, just showing up, burial spices in hand, is all it takes to witness a miracle. Friends, Jesus urges us, keep showing up in prayer, in faithfulness, in questions, in struggle. The Holy One, the lover of creation, the fount of justice, both joyful light and cloud of darkness, is here among us, greater than any fear or apathy that weighs us down. In this place, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let this grace move us to give all glory and gratitude to God, the giver of our days, the gift of perfect love, power and peace given to us all. Amen. Mm -hmm.